Welcome to the Numa Church Podcast. For more information on all things Numa, please contact us on our website, numa.church. Now get ready for another inspirational message. You see, please don't take this in any negative way, but as I look at our charismatic world, I mean charismatic world, We've had a different Jesus for a while. Now, I want you to take it in the heart that I share it. This is another thing that came to me in hospital. I wrote this down as it came. We've had a Jesus that caresses us, but we don't allow Him to correct us. We've had a Jesus that's loved us, but we didn't let Him lead us. We've had a Jesus that's connected with us, but we won't let Him convict us. We've had a Jesus that's given us a Bible for our devotion and it's a devotional for us, but it hasn't become a non-negotiable for us. The Word of God is a non-negotiable, friends. We've got to learn to interpret it properly and we've got to do proper Bible exegesis, but we're seeing a generation rise up that know nothing about the Bible. And we cannot do spirit life without the spirit word. And so there's a revival and God's going to anoint you to bring that kind of preaching into this house where people aren't just going to have their ears tickled. It says says in Luke chapter 12 that watch out for the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. And I looked up the word hypocrisy and it means to be an actor on a stage. And I want to tell you, we don't need any more actors on a stage. When I got cancer, I didn't need a visit from an actor on a stage. I needed someone that would put the word in me. Where an intercessory group in New Zealand send me a scripture and, uh, and Pastor Andre Olifure from South Africa came to visit me from Johannesburg and brought the identical scripture and said, I don't normally get scriptures like this and spoke into my life when the doctors were speaking death over my life. I don't need a theatre act. I need the Word of the Lord because I need the Word of God to be a directional, not just a devotional. It's not just a lucky dip, get my scripture for the day. It needs to direct our path. I can't live without the Word of God. The Word of God is everything to me. And I don't always, to be honest with you, I don't have an ambition to be a great, great preacher. I I just want to be a great reacher. I want to reach people with the Word of God. Because you can learn the art of preaching. You can travel the world and preach the same sermon 50 times. And if that's what God wants you to do, that's fine. I've done those kind of things, believing it was the now Word of the Lord at that time. But sometimes people just get their sermons off the internet and off they go. And then we're wondering why God is not doing anything. We need to get back to leaning on the Word of God. We've got to turn the lamp on that I spoke about this morning of Revelation. We have a Jesus who's taught us how to dance, but we haven't taken a stance. We need to take a stance in this world of what it really means to be a follower of Jesus. The world expects us to be different in a kind kind of way. We're not called to be arrogant, but we're called to be convictional in how we live our lives. We have a Jesus of prosperity, but we never talk about eternity. And I want God to prosper you. And I want God to bless. I heard some stories already since I've been here of God's amazing provision. I've seen it in my own life over and over again. But let's not just make it like I said this morning, under the sun. Let's also be prepared for above the sun and live from eternity, not just for eternity. We live from eternity. And when you get hold of that, it really changes your life. It's not just because I'm in a physical state where I could be in heaven soon that I'm preaching 
preaching like this. My son preached it. I've always believed it. I came to Jesus because of my eternal life, not temporal life. And I want to tell you, when you have a personal revelation of who he is and what he does, no matter what storm comes your way, you can really do life in a purpose and direction, knowing God is with you. Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 to 16 in the message. I'm just going to share briefly what I believe has helped me in my journey, and I hope that it will help you. When Jesus arrived in the villages of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, what are people saying about who the Son of Man is? They replied, some say he's John the Baptizer. Some say Elijah. Some say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Do you know how many people go to church today and they follow the God of some say? They follow the God of some say. Well, some say he heals. Now, some say he doesn't. Some say that's all rubbish, all that clappy, jumping around stuff. It's not real. Some say, oh, no, that's the power of God. But what do you say? You see, it goes on and he pressed them. And how about you? Who do you say I am? Now he pressed them. He didn't press one. He pressed all of them and said, what do you all say that I am? And only Simon Peter responds. You're the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus came back. God bless you, Simon, son of Jonah. You didn't get that answer out of books or Instagram or Facebook. Do you know we've got Christians or churchians that spend more time in Facebook than Facebook. We have, would you like that? Oh, okay. I worked on that one. I haven't started on my dad jokes with you guys, so you're okay. My Father in heaven, God Himself let you in on the secret of who I really am. And now I'm going to tell you who you are, really are. You are Peter, a rock. This is the rock on which I will put together my church, a church so expensive, I mean expansive, with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. And that's not all. You will have complete and free access to God's kingdom. Keys to open and every door. No more barriers between heaven and earth and earth and heaven. And yes, sorry about my sight, on earth and in heaven. A no on earth is a no and a yes on in heaven is a yes. And so tonight I want to just speak very easily, quickly about something that is the way I live my walk with God, the way I think we should be encouraged tonight to just come back to the simplicity. Jesus asked two very important questions. Who do people say that I am? And what do you say? Very good questions. It's important to know what other people think. It's not wrong to listen to podcasts, but you can listen to contemporary leaders today that some will say that heaven it's not that real and hell is not real. It's only a, an imagined thing. Others say other things. I've seen young people turn away from God in churches because of some podcast that they listen to. You see, some say may sometimes be right, but not always. You can't trust some say. I'm into motor cars and it's my hobby. I love motorsport. And when I was young, I used to buy and sell cars and fix them up. And this particular day, a very close friend of mine called Stuart said, uh, are you looking for anything at the moment? I said, oh, I'd love a, a Calais with a V8 engine in it. This was a long time ago. 
and I'd like the top of the range, and, but I don't want to spend more than about 10 or 12 grand. And again, this was a long time ago. He said, oh, you wouldn't believe it. There's a little old man that comes past my shop. He had a key cutting shop in a shopping centre. And he said, he talks to me every day. He's a lovely old man and he can't drive anymore. He's going blind. Um, and he says, he can't drive anymore. And um, he's selling a Calais only for $7,000. And Danny, if you don't buy it, I will. It is immaculate. I said, Stuart, you know what I like. And if you think it's that good, grab it for me. Well, he did. I paid for the car. I went and picked it up from the shopping centre. The, the, the old man brought it there. We had the paperwork. And one day, I was a youth pastor at the time at Influencers Church today. It was called Paradise then. And I had to go and pick up a visiting speaker from the airport. It was a little bit dirty, so I thought I'll take it through the car wash, which I hate doing. I like detailing my own car. And as I took the car through the car wash, it filled up with water. I noticed it was steering a bit funny. And the very next day, I got it checked out and discovered that that little old man was the front for his son's crooked crash repair business. And that car had been made up of two cars that had been cut in half and joined together illegally. And the car was immediately taken off the road and I was never able to drive it again, but it looked unbelievable. The paint job was amazing. The wheels were incredible. And for me, it was wheels and paint job did it for me back then. And I listened to some say. I listened to what somebody else said about it. But I never went and checked it out for myself. And so many people today, oh, well, my friends go, so I go. Or I'm hanging out at the church because it seemed like a good group of people. But we need to go a little deeper. And we need to not just listen to some say, but we need to discover for ourselves what God really does say so that when troubled times come, we know that we know God is with us and He is real. I can go back to a young age at a youth camp when God touched me so powerfully, I'll never forget that moment that became movement in my life that's kept me in momentum as I shared this morning. I remember the call to Edge Church before it was called Edge Church, there was a group of people gathering together and the little place was called Coastlands. And I remember Pastor Andrew Evans rigging me and he said, Danny, we want to send you to Coastlands for three months. And I put four fingers up, three months. And he says, and then you're going to come back, but you need a word from God. And I was preaching in a place called Mount Gambia. There was only a small group of people on a Sunday morning, I was praying for the meeting and the Holy Spirit said, open your Bible. I had taken with me on this trip a Bible that Casey Treat had given me, a pastor in America, with all his sermon outlines in the Bible. So it was pretty thick. It was the first time the new King James Bible had come out, the new version. And I felt this urge, and I've never done it since like this, but I felt the urge to open the Bible. And as I opened it on my knees in the pastor's office, Isaiah 49 starts with these words, And the coastlands said unto me, I've called you from your mother's womb. Three years earlier, I had written the church that I see in a diary. And everything I had written three years earlier was in Isaiah 49. It's the only version of the Bible that says coastlands. The others say islands. And I remember that day God saying, You're never going back to paradise 
And I said, God, Pastor Andrew is my spiritual dad. And if he tells me to go back at the end of three months, we'll go back. But you know what happened? The church grew to 500 in three months. And he rang me one day and he said, you're not coming back. He goes, you know that, don't you? I said, I'll come back if you tell me to, because you're my spiritual covering. But he said, no, you have to stay because you've been called to the coastlands. And 20 something years later now, 25 years later, everything God promised us has come to pass. Oh, it's just, why? Because it became personal. It became personal. I want to give you five things out of this passage of Scripture very quickly. We're going to put them up on screen. But you see, Jesus says to Peter, who do people say that I am? And then He said, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And he says, you didn't get that out of books. My Father in heaven revealed that to you. The very first thing that has to happen in all our lives in order to really know Jesus, is number one, to embrace His deity. If we can put that word up on the screen, deity. We embrace His deity, that He's not just, Jesus is not just a good teacher, He is God. And that He is the creator of the universe. He was there at creation. You have to have a revelation that Jesus is the only way. Sister Oprah Renfrey doesn't get it right. And when she gets on TV and everybody thinks she's a goddess, and she comes out with all the stuff about you can't say that Jesus is the only way. There may be a revelation of a wrong Jesus, but it's not the real Jesus that I know because the Jesus I know is deity and we cannot live without a revelation of that deity. But number two, once you have that, Jesus will show you your identity. Hey, listen, Peter, now that you know who I am, I'll show you who you are. The reason why Australia is in a mess, it's not whether we have gay marriage laws or not gay marriage laws or whether we allow people to be fluid in their identity. People don't have an identity because they don't know deity. Because if we knew deity, we would quickly find our identity. And with a world full of all the things we have to entertain us and to define us, I've never seen more young people thinking of suicide like I am today. I've never been called more to people's homes in the last couple of years of beautiful looking, attractive young people wanting to take their own lives because of their identity, because they don't know deity. And when you don't know deity, you won't have an identity. You see, I get a phone call one day from a friend of mine who doesn't go to church. He's got a very successful business in Adelaide. He said, can you come now? Our 19-year-old daughter is thinking of taking her life. She thinks she's too fat. And she isn't. She's absolutely attractive, beautiful girl. She thinks she's got nothing to give to society, though she's doing really well at university. And she really doesn't want to live. And we are so afraid. Danny, will you come? Now, I said, sure, I'll be there in half an hour. I got to the business where they all worked. We went to a side room. The daughter was there crying. I asked her how she was feeling. I said to her, were you bullied at school? She's 19. I said, were you bullied when you were at school? She goes, yes. I hate myself. I'm ugly. I said, look at you. You're a beautiful young lady. And you've got, your parents adore you. The mum and dad were sitting there. They're crying. She's got tears running down her face. And then I said to her, do you believe in God? She goes, yes, but I don't think he likes me either. 
Can you imagine that? I don't think he likes me either. I said, I'm about to tell you something that if it wasn't true, it would be more abuse. I would be abusing you by telling you something that isn't true. Let me tell you how much God loves you. Let me tell you that before you were born, he had a plan and you believe in him. What you're feeling right now isn't right. And I wanna tell you, if you let him in, I'm not talking religion, I'm not talking churchianity. If you let him in and if you just let me right now pray that he will show you who you really are. If you're prepared to let him do that, something powerful, it will happen to you. Can I? She goes, yes, please. I prayed for her. Mum and dad started crying. She started crying. The next time I went into the family business, she comes running out. She hugs me. She goes, I'm different. I've really met Jesus. I'm very different. All that stuff is gone. Today she's in our church. She's baptised, serving Jesus. When I go to the family business, she comes in. What can I do to help the church? What can I do? And nobody told her to do the things she's doing now. She's gone back to university. I think she's studying to be a doctor, but, but it's all from a different place now. And because she embraced deity, she found her identity. And he says, now, Peter, I'm going to show you who you are because you've seen who I am. But not only that, I'm going to show you your destiny. You're going to build my church. Now, guys, I see so many Christians get their knickers in a twist over who gets promoted in church, who gets the role that I wanted. I wanted to be senior pastor. I've seen it all over the body of Christ. Sorry, I shouldn't have said what I said before I realised what I said. I forgot. I've been hanging out with too many non-Christians. But... Um, one of them was at my house the other day. He's a builder, covered in tats, sitting at my house. He rings me. He says, where are you? I said, I'm visiting my mum in the nursing home. She's got dementia. I said, where are you? He said, at your house. He'd made his way into my lounge. My daughter was there. She makes him coffee. He says, I said, I'll be there in a minute. So I go back to the house. I walk in and he's fast asleep on my lounge. He comes to... I make him lunch, we're sitting there and then he starts, you know what the effing problem with this country is? You know what the effing problem is with our politicians? And you know what the, and he's going on and on and I'm looking at him, he goes, they all need Jesus. <laughs> they all need Jesus. Flipping Nora. My wife is laughing. Because I've invited him to a few things and he's loved it. But he's my friend now, so he thinks he's got Jesus. But it's still, it's still some say. He needs to find out for himself. And I'm praying for my friend Rocco. His name is Rocco. He's about this high and all muscle. And he's, uh, and uh, so there you go. Yeah, this country needs Jesus. But you know, Jesus says to Peter, now that you have your identity, because you've been discovered my deity, I'm going to show you your destiny. Young people in this room, don't chase the will of God. The will of God is every day. Chase God. And the will of God will come looking for you. If you're connected to deity, God's not going to play peeky-boo with you. He's not going to hide behind a tree and go, find me, find me. No, I'm over here. No, I'm over here. Don't you think God wants to use you more than you want to use your gifts? 
Be connected to deity. Find your identity in Him. And as you do that, He will bring your destiny to you. I was a menswear salesman. I had no idea I'd go around the world preaching. If you'd have told me, I would have laughed at you. I worked in a menswear store where they had a little Italian people coming in because it was near the markets and in the city of Adelaide. And all these Italians would come in. One guy came in one day. He goes, hello. I don't speak very good English. Me go Italy for holiday. It's very cold over there. Do you sell underpants with the sleeves? He wanted to buy long johns. I want to buy a pair of trousers for my boy. I said, what size? He looked at me and go, same size as you, but more bigger. <laughs> That's where I worked. And then Pastor Andrew Evans says, we don't have a drummer at church. Do you know how to play the drums? And I go, only according to the scriptures. He goes, what do you mean? Never let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. So <laughs> you can tell I'm listening. <laughs> I'm a left-hander. Played drums for the first time at Paradise Church without crossing my arms, playing a right-handed kit. And I did it once because I knew the 4-4 beat that I learned at school and played drums for the next eight years as the drummer of the church because the Holy Spirit came on me. And when worship would happen, I'd feel the anointing and I'd play. I don't know how I did it. And for eight years until the opening of the new church, I was still the drummer. Then I was promoted to playing the guitar and leading worship with the guitar. In those days, you only needed three chords. F, C, A minor. If you didn't believe that was demonic, the minor chords, but you know, some people thought they were. And I just developed a yes. If I don't know what it is that God wants me to do, I'll just say yes. And then he can steer that moving vehicle. And so from there, one thing led to another. They asked me to run a home group. I said, what's that? You see, Yonggi Cho from Korea had come over to Australia and he was teaching on home groups. And Pastor Andrew said, I'd like you to run a youth home group. And I go, what do you do? He said, I don't know. <laughs> so I knew a guy called Winky Prattney. Winky Prattney's a good friend. He, that's not a disease either. That's a real name. <laughs> so I showed his videos in my home. I showed his videos in my home. I played the guitar and we invited kids over. I told my wife we didn't have a lot of money then and we don't now, but anyway, if God carries you through. She'd get tip-top muffins and make little pizzas. And we'd have supper, we'd fast all day and then come to home group, listen to video, do some worship and then have tip-top muffins as little pizzas with bacon and pineapple on them. And for an Italian, that's a sin, pineapple on pizza. It kept growing. It kept growing. People would come to our home and wanted to pour out their problems to my wife and I. And in one year, 250 kids had come through our home. Four Corners on Channel 2 heard about it and decided to come and do a documentary on young people that are no longer on drugs, but they're actually believing in a God that can change them. And that program, and what happened? We had multiple campuses when they didn't exist. We used to grow our home group to 30 people and then halve it. 
and start another one down the street and start another one in somebody else's house. And over a year, 250 kids are in home groups around our city. We didn't know that was multiple campus, but we had no idea. But the will of God came looking for us. And then one day, listen to this, if I've got time, a couple more minutes. Then one day I get the sack because I hadn't come on staff yet, but I was running the worship department. And one of the guys in the worship department, well, he decided he didn't like me because he used to get drunk on Saturday night at parties and get totally pickled and then come and try to, wouldn't come to rehearsal and then would want to be involved in the worship team. And so I decided to give him a break for a while so he could sort out his life, but his father was on the board. Not only that, he was a rich businessman and he used to lead worship. His father-in-law, not his father, his father-in-law. So he wasn't happy with what I did. So a whole lot of stories were told that weren't true and I was removed from the leadership and the youth pastor came round to sack me he brought a big pizza and he came to my house and I thought, this is no free pizza tonight, I know something's happening here. And he goes, oh, well, the church is going in a different direction, you need to take a break. And I could feel the Italian, the other Danny, the twin Danny, the Italian one, <laughs> on the inside rising up, getting pretty ticked. I was tickerford. And... Um, <laughs> And the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He said, the way you handle this will determine your future. The way you handle this will determine your future. And this is what I said. And a man wrapped up in himself makes a small parcel, so I'm not bragging. But I, said, I turned around and said to the youth pastor, so what else can I do? Can I serve anywhere else? Three years later, Pastor Andrew comes to me and invites me to become the youth pastor. He said, back then you were treated unfairly, your wrong thing was done by you, but you stayed serving, you didn't get a bit of spirit, and now we can trust you with our young people. In the place of obscurity, in the place where nobody could see, God could see, and that was a test that I had to pass because I so wanted to please people. And I wanted to be one of those people that made everybody happy. I'm a pastor at heart, I don't want to hurt anybody. And I was really feeling bad for removing that guy for a season. But shortly after that, his marriage broke up. He doesn't believe in God anymore. And we had to protect. And what I did was right, but people around me didn't think it was. And I had to take that on the chin and say, God, the will of God comes looking for me. Because when you believe in deity, he shapes your identity. We're human beings, not human doings. I am in Christ. I don't just do things in Christ. I walk with Christ and time's gone. But listen carefully as I draw this to a close. I'd like the, are the musicians back. I'd like the musicians to come. That'll be great. Not only does Peter get told this is your destiny, he then gets told you're going to have authority. The gates of hell are going to come against you. And, uh, you know, no, sorry, you're going to come against the gates of hell. The gates, I've never seen gates used as weapon of warfare. Have you ever seen someone run down the street with a gate in their hand? I'm going to war. I've got a gate. The devil's gates can't stop the army of God coming in. We are on the offensive against what the enemy is trying to stop. We're not being attacked by the devil. We are the attacker. We're going in because we have authority. And then he says, whatever you bind on earth, you will bind in heaven. And vice versa, that is victory. Can you imagine tonight, if you start with deity, 
you find your identity or you walk out your destiny that God brings to you, then you have authority because you're original. You're not trying to be something that you're not. There's an authenticity about doing who God called you to be, being who God called you to be. And then there's victory. Now, He said this to Peter. And now if you go, and I'll close with this, you go to 1 Peter chapter 5. Peter's an old man. He's about to die. Not when he was in this Scripture, where he was just young. He's an old man and he says things like, cast your care upon him. You see, Peter's not writing an instruction to the elders in 1 Peter 5. He's telling us his story. Cast your cares upon him. Maybe he could remember the night that they're out on the boat. Storm comes up and Peter goes and shakes Jesus. Don't you care that we perish? Don't you care? And now as an old man, he's lived out this truth. He goes, cast all your care upon him. He can be trusted. Humble yourself before mighty God. Or I wonder that night when Jesus takes a towel and starts to wash the disciples' feet many years earlier before Jesus goes to the cross. And Peter goes, no, 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 don't do this. And then Jesus says, I've got to do this, Peter. And he goes, oh, wash all of me. Now as an old man, he's about to die. Humble yourself before Almighty God. Shepherd the flock. Well, what about that story when Jesus said, Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Now as an old man, he goes, I did that. I did my destiny and it's worth it. Shepherd the flock. He was telling us his story. And everybody in this room has a story. And we don't want a copy of somebody else's story. Be alert because the devil moves around like a roaring lion. Hey guys, Jesus was alone in the garden of Gethsemane. And the disciples fell asleep, but so did Peter. So Jesus was in Gethsemane and the disciples fell asleep and Peter wasn't there. And now he goes, pray for an hour. Can't even pray for an hour. Jesus said to them, you can't even pray with me. I'm trying to rush for an hour. And now in 1 Peter 5, he goes, don't go to sleep. Be alert. What was Peter saying is learn from my story. I'm telling you my story today. What I've shared today, those points are not just nice points. I can stand before you with authenticity and say, I've shared with you my story. There's so many more parts, but that's all we've got time for tonight. But we're going to stand and we're going to worship. And you know what? There's people in this room and I don't have to single you out. There are young people in this room really struggling tonight and have been for the last year or two with the voices in your head telling you you're not as good as this person, you're not good as, as good as that person. You'll never come into leadership. This will never happen to you. I'm on the bottom of the rung and it needs to stop tonight. And you need to trust God with your identity. And you need to come to this altar as we worship and either kneel or stand and say, God, I trust you. Tonight I choose in 2020 to put my trust in deity that will shape my identity. Give me my destiny. I will have authority and I will live in victory. There are those of you in this room that have a self, you, you, you feel ugly, you feel like you don't fit the norm. You feel like you're a bit of a misfit. And tonight, Jesus wants you to know, like I told that young lady, He loves you to bits and you're not here by accident. And tonight you need to trust Him. 
and come because He's got more for you than you're doing right now. But it's not a more of doing, it's a more of being and the doing will come out of that. Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that He gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died and rose again, conquering sin, Satan and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you are ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life and I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God and that you have made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. You can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.